0: It is a Tuesday evening, and it's a new episode of the Pioneer Podcast. I'm Tanner Grace, and it's always enjoyed by Ross Merriam. Ross, is this actually considered evening for you? I know it's 6.45 where you are. It's 5.45 for me. Uh, I'm sure you'll correct me because I'm probably always wrong.
1: No, this is an appropriate time to be labeled evening.
0: Yeah, I just always assume I'm wrong because I'm married, and so that's just an easier way to go through life and not get in trouble as much. I also always point out when you're wrong, so you get
1: a pretty accurate idea of how wrong you are
0: it's 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 a pretty big double whammy yeah (laughs) yeah all right so uh how was your weekend um you
1: know had a solid weekend teaming with Aaron Barrich and becky adelman in uh what philadelphia
0: you tell me man i can't tell you if you don't know where you're at i definitely don't know where you're at they all blend together but uh oh yeah it's it's definitely came up
1: a match short of the top four but everybody did well actually all three of us were x5 individually
0: So y'all did a really good job of mixing in the losses. I like it. That's the Uh, number one.
1: For a little while. We were basically, we were just 2-1 like every round. Like even all the wins, all the losses. Just so a lot of close matches. um, You know, all decks were fine. I don't think any of our decks were amazing. Um, So that kind of bit us in the end. Like normally when you top four an event, there's like one person on your team that goes off and just crushes. Yeah. Uh, And then the the rest of you, the other two of you just kind of trade off being the second win. Um, Yeah. And we we didn't really have that one person who was carrying. We were all just kind of uh, you know limping through it. So we end up you know a little bit short, but it was a great team. Uh, had a lot of fun. Won 100 bucks playing blackjack on Sunday.
0: Nice, nice. What is it? Uh, back to back to back, like one win away from the elimination rounds for you in, in team I mean, events. We were zero wins away in Richmond. We were just
1: tiebreakers away.
0: Yeah. You, you get what I'm saying. You're like so close. Back to back weekend. So you know what? You know it's not the result you wanted, but in the end, at the end of the season, if you end up making the players uh, championship, you know it, it's not the worst weekend, right?
1: No, uh, I'll, it'll it'll be fine. Although this year, I don't know. There's just six people that can't ever fucking lose.
0: E- yeah, the top of the leaderboard is already distanced itself quite a bit. Yeah. It's kind of scary, actually. It really is. It's just like, I, what am I supposed to do? Feels like if I,
1: every time I lose a match, it's like, well. I'm dead because they never lose. So, like, yeah, you know, you, you just can't. I don't. So, it. it I don't, I mean, it's still early. You know. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I'll I'll put together some nice events coming up. Um. You know, have a, a week off now to get some pioneer testing in with you know the the decks that we all know are, are really good. Um. But all, all in all, a good weekend in Philly. The annoying part about that is I have to take train home on Monday and don't get home till like pretty late Monday night, so um this,
0: this was yesterday, right? Like from Philly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like
1: I, my train left at two fifteen from Philly, so I just go back into the city, go to Reading Terminal Market again.
0: I was gonna ask, is it at least close enough for you to get to Reading? Oh yeah, it's
1: like a mile from, from Reading Terminal Market, so I just go to the market and then walk. Uh, so no, I, I got myself some uh oh I got some Chana
0: Masala and, uh, you know nice that's really funny. I actually had a huge, samosa. yeah, I had a huge craving for Indian, and I actually get Indian food for lunch yesterday as well. I had to like run through a downpour that was going on in Baton Rouge, and I was like, "Screw it! I just want this Indian food so like get it in my <laughs> belly." Like I just wanted it so bad. Um, I was about to say, uh, I'm very. It's weird, like when I see all you know playing and especially doing well every weekend because you know, i watch a lot of coverage I, I get a little uh i almost said guilty i get a little jealous because i miss you know the camaraderie i miss like the competition i miss like being in the cities and having fun i do not miss the travel i'll tell you that right now like just being tired and stuff all the time from it yeah it's
1: definitely the worst part of it and uh, the early part of this season was scheduled a little awkwardly where we were two weeks on two weeks off two weeks on um and where it'll like an, an every other week kind of thing would work a lot better um, or something cl- closer to that. Uh, and, and this was, you know, was, I got back Sunday night from Richmond, which was nice. But then I, I have to leave super early Friday morning to get to Philadelphia. Um, yeah, didn't just, yeah, you're just tight on time and you're tired, you're waking up early. And then you spend all week in playing Magic and then, uh, you know, don't get home till late Monday night. I'm glad I have, have this week off. Um, and I did get home. Just in time to see the Jazz almost cough up a second 20 point lead of the night. They played, um, they played, um, Jesus Christ, uh, Dallas last night, a Luka Doncic list Dallas team. You,
0: you, your team has seemed okay. Every single time you talk to me about your, uh, Utah playing this week, I mean, this year, and you're like, yeah, they're playing the, they're playing the Rockets and like, you know, uh, Harden and Westbrook aren't playing, or they're they're playing Dallas at like Luka Doncic is not playing, so it should be easy sailing. like they either lose, or the game's like really close. So I don't yeah, know what's up with this.
1: That's what's been happening recently. They played. They put together an awesome first half, and uh, of course, this is the half while I was still on the train. They hit a halftime right about when the train got in. Um, they, oh, they they started the second half right when the train got in, um, and they were up by twenty-one at halftime. Just completely dominant the entire time. And I'm feeling good, like everybody's playing well. Especially Jordan Clarkson, who's been amazing recently. And then I'm walking from the train station back home, which is, uh, like I said, about a mile. Um, And by the time I... As I was walking up to my apartment, like just barely getting there, the lead was three. (laughs) Now, by the time I opened my apartment door... They were up by eight <laughs> because they finally you know, put together a reasonable run. And then I saw the last like three minutes of the third quarter and all the fourth, they went back up by 16 and then one by four. It was a all right, well, roller coaster of a game, but yeah. W is a W. Jordan Clarkson put up like 30. The fourth quarter was among the most ridiculously officiated quarters I've ever
0: seen. Dallas shot like 18 free throws to the Utah's two. Did you get a really good call, or technically a bad call in y'all's favor earlier this week? Yeah, with the, the Portland ending.
1: one earlier. Even in that yeah. game, there was apparently, a at towards the end of the first half, Donovan Mitchell kicked his legs out on a three-point attempt, and they called a defensive foul when that's supposed to be right. an offensive foul now. Right, right. So that, they got some good calls in the first half. I think it all balanced out, but I only got to see the period of the game where they were getting a, an unfriendly
0: whistle. Um, so I'm going to complain about it. Yeah, exactly, right? You're going to complain a little bit about it. Um, So uh, I had kind of a... A lazy weekend I mean like I worked a lot don't get me wrong but you know I didn't have anything really going on I got to kind of hang out at the house a lot I watched as much coverage as I could uh, lots of magic was going on this weekend so I was going back and forth between multiple streams because I like watching um, what's the right word for your like competitive magic you know like tournaments that are going on stuff like the open and the players tour which we will get to or whatever but uh you know I gotta say this man the coverage on both sides has been pretty great this year I know you were busy this weekend but they had um caleb durward doing coverage for the the pt this weekend yeah and he was paired with riley knight and you know caleb pretty well and you know his sense of humor right yeah can you imagine him with riley knight for extended periods of time with a mic in front of them
1: i i can see i can can see that yeah it was uh, (laughs) quite great go ahead sorry yeah it's just it's just mono ridiculousness
0: oh yeah it was really really good i it's the second event that caleb's done this year and i hope there's more in the future because like you can see him getting like more comfortable with it and like understanding like his role etc cetera, etc cetera. because you know there's there, there's a learning curve anytime you do something like that like people do not understand how hard it is to do commentary for a card game it's obscenely difficult uh i speak from experience it was very hard <laughs> and uh so that was a lot of fun to watch um I don't know if you did you hear since we're you know we usually do this at the beginning of the uh, of the show we like read the minutes of all the sports thing that are going on have you heard the uh, the new stuff that's coming out there's even more stuff coming out about the Astros cheating oh no I haven't heard any of this so apparently it was going on for even longer than they said and now they like apparently it so I say apparently because like you know Alex Cora who was the manager for the Red Sox and got fired. Uh, was apparently one of the spearheads for it. But the other one who seems to be like, this is the person who was really pushing it, was Carlos Beltran, who was the manager for the Mets, but never actually managed a game, probably ever, ever ne- never actually got in the uniform. Besides, you know, when he signs the contract, you know, they put the uniform on. Like, he hasn't worn a Mets uniform since he played for them a million years ago. And apparently he was asked to stop by multiple people. And he was just like, nah, fuck it, keep going go harder go harder like like Brian McCann who I'm very happy to hear that he was not a part of it was like dude stop (laughs) like we don't we don't want this kind of stuff though it does call into question because he was only there for one year and he's with the Yankees like four years before and four years after and it's like where did this come from so like I don't know it just seems like there's just a huge rabbit hole with this and we're never gonna know all of it And I'm sure there's gonna be a book in like 20 years that gives us even more info that I'm gonna be interested in reading like, maybe when they're all up, it'll be like uh, the Magic Hall of Fame. I mean, when they're all up for the Hall of Fame, everyone's going to be like, you did it, you did it, you know, like, <laughs> you did this. And it's it's going to be like that all over again. Oh, so, sure, that'll be great. Oh, the mudslinging is going to be bad. So it, it should be an interesting thing. Um. I got a fun weekend uh plan ahead of me i say fun in quotations so we're uh driving to orlando on thursday so everyone listening to the show if it's up live thursday which i hope it should be by then it's as i said tonight i'm hoping this is up by wednesday but it's up by thursday and, and you're hearing this i'm gonna be in a car for like 11 hours that day with uh, my wife her father and our dog and we're driving to orlando it's about i don't know uh somewhere between like a 10 and 12 hour drive And I will probably be doing multiple AMAs just to keep myself from going insane, you know, just to have something to do. So, you know, please be ready to help it out. Uh, Should have Benny do an AMA. Oh, we're going to have, I'll I'll have Benny-related questions and I'll I'll post pictures. Friday is going to be a fun day. As far as I know, I think we're going to Disney. I'm going to see the the new Star Wars park. I'm uh, excited for that. Uh, The reason we're going is we had a family member uh, pass away, so we're going to a funeral on Saturday. So that's not fun, but... I don't know. It'd be a good time to see the whole family get to kind of celebrate the life of a good man and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, it's
1: nice to like balance, you know, you're going there for a negative thing, but then you you, you kind of set it off. You know you
0: get to have the random vacation day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so should be a lot of fun. Um, I'm looking forward to watching. Is there any magic going on that weekend? I don't know. I, there's no SEG and this like this weekend. Yeah, this weekend coming up, right? Worlds. Oh, there's world's right. Yeah, exactly. It, I feel bad well, about it. Is there it anything going actually, on? No, no, oh, no, no. man, the single biggest tournament in hey, the year in my is defense in my defense I know it's not this not the same this time but usually no one knows when those are happening until they are like actually live and it, they're pretty bad about it usually that is and I kind of forgot about it I've had a long day Ross I've been up since about I've already been up 12 hours today I am tired of drinking my second energy drink of the day to get through to this um so give me some slack but I will say this i did now that you mentioned it have you seen the the hype video for it like the little preview video they put out all i've
1: heard is a bunch of i've seen or all i've seen is a bunch of people tweeting it saying how good it is but i haven't watched it's it amazing
0: itself. yeah it's it's very very good it's probably the best one they've put out you know since they've been doing them um i'd like to think athena frolic did it i'm not 100 percent of that i know she probably at least had some part of it it's like a lot of what she does over at wizards and was doing that before she was there so good work athena um, you know i miss you you're awesome but so I'm excited for that this weekend, at least too. Uh, whenever I, I wish it was going on while we were traveling. So uh, I think it, I, I, they usually play a little bit on Sunday, but it, it's They'll I got to see when we're on Sunday. Yeah, but imagine when we're traveling, like we leave late afternoon and you get home like late. You know, what I mean, if we leave it like, you know, two or three in the afternoon, then I'm not going to get a lot of it. And I was like, man, if, if that if that I'm not going to lie. It's not the safest thing to do, but sometimes when I'm driving, I'll put the I'll put Twitch up on the on the dashboard and just listen yeah. to what's going on, pretty much. And it kind of makes it go by. Where's
1: Worlds happening? Are they in Seattle again? Or they're in Hawaii? Oh yeah, they are. Okay, so there's going to be quite a time difference.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I you know it de- depends on the time difference and everything. I know Kibbler was tweeting about it because he's uh he's doing is it coverage? I think he's doing coverage. He's not playing.
1: Yeah, he's doing coverage.
0: Yeah, because he was talking about it. Uh, you know he's he's got a good pedigree for events in. In Hawaii, he's got himself a tour trophy for another up. top eight. Yeah, and another top eight, exactly. So uh, I got to say this. I'm really looking forward to it this weekend. The production looks like it's going to be out of this world. Uh, the commentary team is top notch. Uh, the Magic should also be top notch. Yeah, so um, I think if I remember right, I'm not 100% as I need to read it again. I think they're going to draft and then recreate the decks on Arena and play each other. So they're going to draft physical cards. I yeah I think so, but then they're going to like all the play is on Arena. Okay. Because uh, they haven't they haven't made it ready for the client. I think my original I think the original thought was probably like they were going to try to get it ready for Worlds and they just could not get it done in time. Kind of like what happened with the silver eh silver, silver the silver showcase. Uh, did you did you hear about silver that? Silver showcase. Yeah, the original thing was they were just going to play Arena, and then. They couldn't get arena ready, so they were like, all right, well, here's some packs of beta or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, and we're like, yeah. what? Just get some beta packs out of the vault, <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I don't you know, know. You, all we know is they probably wouldn't got one of the, a couple of the sheets off the wall, cut them up, and just packaged <laughs> yeah. them. They're like, man, these packages are nice. They're like brand new. You know, they're all crisp and <laughs> that'd be pretty great, but uh, pretty excited for that. Um, you got anything planned for this weekend or are you just going to watch that?
1: Um. Yeah. Watch we'll some coverage. Get some pioneer testing done. The uh, Roanoke Arcade is celebrating its one year anniversary, so they're doing an event Saturday night, and I've conned uh, Travis and and director Rob into joining me there.
0: So we'll hang out and play some video games. I am very jealous. That actually sounds like a really good time. Yeah.
1: Now the the arcade it's a it's a small little arcade downtown, and normally they close at like eight. But occasionally they do special events where you can go there at night, like a real person.
0: Do they? Do they not serve alcohol at this place? Not normally. It's, it's not like a bar. It's like
1: a kid. No, it's like a kids' venue. Oh,
0: okay. I was supposed to say, at, like, why would these you close events, at eight?
1: Yeah, for these events they serve alcohol and they're open till like eleven or midnight.
0: Okay, that's kind of cool. You should be having a lot of fun. Yeah, Yeah, you, know, you have a beer, you play some crazy taxi, you get some drunk driving in. Everything's <laughs> fine. Great. Okay. So speaking of the fact that we got a lot of Pioneer going on in the last couple of weeks and you've got another tournament coming up real soon. It's Indy, right? It's yes. Coming up. Yeah, Indy It's coming up. It's the, it's the first solo Pioneer Open, correct?
1: Yeah, right. and We the had, second solo Open of the year.
0: Right. We, yeah, I know. It's weird, right? There's just like massive amounts of teams events, which it's, it's probably good for the people not on the leaderboard or not high up on the leaderboard because that's, that's another reason why the same people are, are crushing it. I mean, the same team won two of them. You know, and then, like, a lot of the same names just made it into these top fours, which the weather actually didn't cooperate. Uh, You know, Daryl Ayers got to play in the open instead of the PT. And then uh, could Corey just not get out of Roanoke? Because I know he had to miss the PT as well. Oh, yeah. He did not get out of Roanoke. Did he try to go to Philly? Um, Yeah, but it was very expensive for him to do so. Uh, Does he not not have a car? No. Um, I don't What's the what's the how far? I'm not. It's familiar. a six-hour
1: drive. About. Oh, that's not that bad. Yeah, yeah but he, because he doesn't have a car, he doesn't have insurance. He rented a car once, and it cost him a bajillion dollars because he didn't think about that. Oh, God. Um, and uh, the train was going to take cost him like almost 300 Ugh. a flight. At first, he would thought he was going to go, but he said, oh, I, I looked up flights, and there's one for only 250 Then he realized he was accidentally looking for March instead of February, <laughs> and the real cost was over 600 which makes sense. He was trying to buy it the night before.
0: You know, it's really funny when the tweets started happening that him like Shaheen and uh, and Daryl like weren't going to make it. And then it looked like Shaheen was going to make it. Uh, as soon as those tweets started happening, I just did my due diligence. And I was just like, all right, let's look up a flight from New Orleans to Philly just in case the <laughs> Daryl and uh, and Corey need a third or whatever. And um, I'm like. I can't remember who messaged you. I might have messaged him. He might have messaged me. I don't remember. And I'm just like, are you going to make it? Like, you know, are you going to make the PT? Because it sucks to miss out on it. Because, you know, he did so much testing and stuff. Because Corey just never stops playing. And uh, he's like, no, it doesn't look like I'm going to make it. Do you want to come win a trophy? You know, he's like, <laughs> it looks like I'm going to Philly. And I immediately screenshot him my other screen, which has multiple tabs up of, like, me getting to Philly or trying to get to yeah. Philly. But it was just so unfeasible. Like, the flights were absurd. I tried to look into, like, Baltimore for like some one ways because it's only like an hour away. And I was like, I could probably just hop a train or, you know, grab a car. I'm sure someone's coming from the Baltimore area into Philly, you know, just do the the whole like Kibler Google. Like, can someone give me a ride, you know, and stuff. But Cash in some of that clout. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. If I could have done it for a reasonable amount, I would have tried. But I ended up just being like actually busy Friday, too. So it's kind of better off that I didn't do it. Like I had some, a lot of stuff come up with work and stuff. So. And also, I did warn him ahead of time. I'm like, look, I've only been playing a little bit. I haven't been playing a lot. But if this was, like, I think Thursday when we were finding this out. And I was like, if I find out right now, I just won't sleep tonight. I'll I'll sleep at a plate or something. I'll just play all night. And, you know, I was like, I'll just play Spirits for, like, six hours straight and I'll be fine or yeah. something, you know. But, no, he he ended up just
1: being stuck in Roanoke all weekend, <laughs> you know, uh, just watching a bunch of coverage, which was rough. I I, just, I saw all of our, like, we have our, you know, private chat and there's this message going everywhere. I'm not sure I'm going to make it. Like, where are you going? What are the, like, are you going to get stranded to Philly or somewhere else? And I'm literally just like sitting at the bar, having a few drinks. (laughs) I'm about to walk over to the store, get some cards and like get my deck together, go to sleep. And I just look at it, and be like, oh, glad I'm not them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, because you were the only person not qualified for the players to wear the team, right? Correct. Thanks for reminding me. Well, hey, I, I was I was about to get there. You're still one of the half that didn't get to play in it, though. So yeah, who's the who's the who's the better feeling one now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I still feel bad for the guys.
1: Oh yeah, it was it was rough, but at least Daryl
0: made something out of it, and mm-hmm. yeah,
1: Corey will be fine.
0: Daryl is a sicko, by the way. Like, I watched some of his matches and stuff this weekend. That kid just does not lose. Is he up to 40% on his conversion rate yet? He's got to he, be, right? Uh,
1: he probably could get in there, but uh, he played with uh, Russell Lee in the Pioneer seat, and Russell was going to play some other deck, and, and Daryl was like, No, play Mono Black. I've been testing it for the Pro Tour. It's what I was going to play. I have the entire deck together, and uh, he's like, Okay, I'll, I'll trust you. And Russell goes and plays Mono Black, and all Russell told me, because we split a hotel Sunday night, is that. Basically, the entire time, he would go to, like, make a play, and Daryl would stop him and be like, what are you doing? Just do this. <laughs> and he would just show him a much better line, and Russell's like, God, he is just on another level <laughs> the entire time.
0: Yeah. So Daryl basically just piloted two of their three decks. <laughs> two things on that. One, um, have you heard of them reference the the Hangouts being too powerful, like whenever they win or, like, the Canadians do well, you know, like the Dilks? Yeah. Oh, I've
1: been, I've been in said Hangouts. Yeah.
0: I've been inside of Hangouts, and that's all they do is play Magic. So uh, I hate to use the word deserve, but they deserve how well they do. Like, they all they do is test, and, like, they do really well. Uh, two, we might have a similar situation. We have a team of it coming up locally, and me and Brian Basoko are, like, looking for a third for our, our team. And we keep making the joke of, should we just show up with two of us and just max flex on everybody? And just be like, yeah, whatever. You just win that match. <laughs> we'll just play without the third. Because the last one we played in, Basoko and I actually both went undefeated. Through the entire team tournament in one. I, I don't think they let you play with two. I think you uh, actually
1: have to have a warm body.
0: Yeah. About you,
1: that. You could try to do a weekend at Bernie
0: situation and just cold body them. Yeah. They just like, oh, they just mulligan to zero. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You win. They They're in the concede. bathroom. <laughs> oh, just, yeah. Just sign somebody up that doesn't actually play magic. Just get them a DCI number. Have them sit down at the beginning there around there, like, you win. Yeah. Just try to show like 60 Forest or something and a loss in the woods or something. I don't even know that. Our, card's our third anywhere. is Hunter Pence, and he, he's. He's in the bathroom. You could actually probably win some rounds, by the way. I would actually see him play. and he streams every now and then and plays, but he probably is not playing right now. Spring training starts, like, today or whatever. And I, th- I remember he just re-signed with the Giants, so he needs to go get in, you know, shape and stuff and play some baseball. Yeah, you know, the thing they pay millions of dollars to do. Yeah, I think he's only making, like, two point five, three million dollars 3000000 million or something this year. It's, like, the lowest contract of his seat of his I year. Would, but- I would accept yeah it's like more money than i've ever had in my life like no big deal more money than i will ever have in my life yeah exactly uh but let me finish the statement that i started about five minutes ago where i was like we got all the stuff coming up and this pioneer stuff coming up so we got a lot of info coming out this weekend uh i think you and i called it pretty well we saw the way the metagame was going uh breach got to be the breakout deck of the weekend we kind of you know saw a little bit of it the weekend before but it really came in big numbers this yeah, weekend did really like well. Much like
1: Inverter was like the hype deck on social media the week before. It was Breach on like Wednesday. You started hearing about it. Uh, yeah, it was
0: almost like you read between the lines at first. And then by like Wednesday, Thursday, once people had, you know, I can show my deck list. It was like all out panic. Like, oh my god, everybody's <laughs> good deck playing this
1: busted. Yeah. You know, the deck did well. Its win rate was really high. It won like 65-70% yeah. of his matches in the constructed portion. Only two in the top eight. So, you know, uh, from a coverage perspective, the narrative wasn't quite against it. But obviously, like, you know, this is a top deck moving forward and the the lists are not like, you know, there's there is nothing super hidden. I think that like nobody found any weird five year old card that we didn't have before. And that's what put the deck over the top. It was really just finding the right configuration of everything, because we saw these breach decks go through a bunch of different builds. And they all had some weaknesses. And the build that we've landed on now really just eliminates every single one of those weaknesses without sacrificing anything in terms of speed or consistency. And it, it's remarkable that, you know, that they got it down to this level. And the, the big thing was moving away from chronic flooding.
0: Yeah, I, I think that actually improved the deck, right? Like it, it oh, gave by it. a lot. Yeah, like for one, you're not just playing a bad card in your deck two like I heard it up the consistency I know that like the Fae of Wishes builds became like you know that's just like the go-to now it's a lot more consistent plus um it leads to people I mean like it's it's a lot harder to get people around it now but when that first started happening I saw a lot of people just naming the wrong card with like lost legacy type effects you know like now you just you name Fae of Wishes like that is that is the card to extraction them from their deck
1: yeah, it's generally the, the first hit. If you can, if you're using one of the effects that can take a land, you can take Lotus Field. Um, and that, that also works quite well. Um, but you, you're right. The Chronic Flooding was just a bad card. You know, it's not a card that did anything. It's a card that ran you straight into Graveyard Hate, especially because you, really were, you were using it to enable Dig Through Time. Uh, so things like Rest in Peace and Leyline of the Void were a problem. Now, you know, you still, Fae of Wishes still enables deterministic kills because it can find the one Tome Scour and go off with um, with that and Hidden Strings. It has, you know, then you get to, you know, get, find the one Jace, uh, Wielder of Mysteries in the sideboard with a later Fae, and, and just win the game on the spot. So you ha- still have that deterministic kill. You haven't sacrificed that. And that was the big draw to Chronic Flooding. But you, re- you know, eliminate that vulnerability to Graveyard Hate now you're down to just three Underworld Breach, one dig through time. You increase your access to Underworld Breach, because you now have three main and four Fave Wishes that can find it. And you enable a secondary game plan, which is just Fave Wishes for Ugin. And that beats a lot of decks.
0: You know what uh, kind of surprised me? The expansion explosion inclusion, was that something that uh, started happening recently? I, I I seem to like have never noticed it. Maybe I just missed it in some of the early builds. That
1: was an innovation for this week. Uh, if you look at the list that Top 8 or Top 4 Brussels last week it plays a Thassa's Oracle, and a lot of the lists from this past weekend still do, or still did, uh, but you, you see William Jensen's second-place list and a lot of the, the people that he worked with, they were all playing one expansion explosion in that spot because it's a little bit more functional, uh, at least in their opinion, at, you know, on its own, and it still generally wins games if you need a main deck win condition. Like, if they extract all of your Fae of Wishes you can usually mill over your deck, uh, cast enough Hidden Strings to generate enough mana to explosion them to death. Um, It's not quite as clean, but it's generally just as reliable in the games where you need it. And, you know, sometimes being able to just, as part of that ramp plan, if you're on that, like, ramp to Ugin, you can also ramp to a pretty big explosion, deal with a key threat, draw enough cards to, you know, find your Fae of Wishes, or the expansion half can either act as a second copy of Hidden Strings when you're trying to ramp or as a counter spell for your opponent's counter spell, if they dispute or negate or do anything like that. So
0: that's why I really liked it, right? Like you, you have the games against blue white or something, or like a control deck game one where like counter spells are actually hard for this deck to beat. Sometimes game one, you know, if they have like any kind of pressure going on one counter spell, you're kind of held off and you just have this two mana card that, you know, serves, it's also a win condition, but you know, it's usually cheaper than the spell that's being cast for a counterspell. So like you can kind of tempo that in correctly and get the win out of it there.
1: Yeah. No, uh, now, the Thassa's Oracle does ha- you know do a good job of just being an early blocker if you need it against aggressive decks. You know, if it goes to the graveyard, you can always recast it with Underworld Breach if you need to win that way. So if you're expecting a more aggressive metagame, you might want the Thassa's Oracle. But if you look at the results, and uh, Saffron Olive actually compiled a matchup matrix the aggressive decks both did poorly last weekend and did not do that well against Lotus Breach itself with the exception of Mono Red, which was the one deck that had a favorable record against Lotus Breach in Phoenix.
0: And we're talking about the Mono Red decks here that are trying to kill the opponent quickly. Like, we're not oh, talking yeah. about like Chunky Red. which Chunky Red is dead. Yeah, that, dead, well, that deck is Stop talking about it. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> not here anymore. That's January. We're in February. It's just gone. And then even even then, like, I'm looking at the deck and you're talking about building it to like... You know, be good against the the aggressive decks. I mean, you've got four grazers, four faye of Wishes, and two Seder Wayfinders. You know, besides zero tumbling sands. Because let's be real, that's like not hitting play too often and and doing stuff. You it be can surprised. sometimes it does. Yeah. No, of course it does. It's just it's not blocking a ton. It's a three drop, is what I'm saying. These other cards, you know, coming out in like turn one and two, and providing enough of a speed bump, pump. Uh, hopefully, you know.
1: Oh yeah. No, grazer and faye of Wishes are also they're annoying for the Spirit deck because they both have like block flyers. So. um you know, they, they do, they put in work, uh, playing some defense and, uh, that, that you just kind of get for free. Like, I'm pretty sure you would play these cards even if they're like, if Arboreal Grazer was a one green enchantment with no other text other than the ETB ability and Fae of Wishes was granted and the other text was colorless blue enchantment with the discard ability, like you would still play those cards. So the fact that they come along with creatures that have relevant defensive bodies to stave off the aggressive decks, like it just seems unfair that that just gets
0: baked into your deck for free. Yeah, Magic in two thousand nineteen, am I right? Two thousand twenty ten. Yeah, well, these were printed in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, saw, but so. now
1: it's two thousand twenty, and that's
0: when this deck <sighs> is getting played. <laughs> uh, Ross, you're gonna be the death of me. But uh, so yeah. Great, uh, great results from breach overall. Jensen was the top eight competitor uh, w- with the deck. Uh, oh, also, yeah, Alan Wu. Wu, yeah, got fifth as well. Just quietly, one of the best players in the world over the last few years. The, the name doesn't get as much press as it probably should, but Alan Wu is just absurd as well. Um, I was about to say I'm, I'm taking a look at his his list. Not too different. It's got a blink of the eye, uh, blink of the eye main and a fastest Oracle main. So. You know, yeah, the, the that's like the list
1: from last week.
0: Yeah, the, the difference is you kind of reference type thing, but it seems like we've found what is within like 70 cards of correct yeah. of this deck.
1: So, And the sideboards can change a bit. You see some difference in yeah. the sideboard cards. Like Huey's got some Angers and Supreme Verdicts has more total sweepers. Alan has the Hour of Devastation that PV was playing in niv last week because it's you know it's good against all the indestructible effects like Selfless Spirit and things like that. Yeah. Um, but they, they, I guess he also has an anchor. So he has two sweepers to Huey's four. Uh, but they like they all have a Nugent, they all have a Jace, they all have a Tome Scour. You know, those you can't really touch. The Thought Distortion is sort of your anti-control card. They all have one breach. Um, so th- those things are pretty baked in. Uh, Alan has an Alpine Moon where Huey had a Lost Legacy. I think those are both just like, you know, tech for the mirror. Yeah, Alpine
0: Moon is sweet, by the way, because it says opponent, right? Yeah. So you get to shut off
1: their lotus fields and not yours. Um, and I think we, we all know and we have, we've all learned, I think, by this point that shutting off the lotus field is the important part. So things like a Damping Sphere are about to get a lot more popular. That's the best piece of cyborg hate that there is. Um, and Alpine Moon is a similar effect here, um, a little bit less powerful, but the fact that it is not symmetrical comes up huge in the mirror.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, if you if you remember last week, we had some predictions about uh, this week's PT and the results, and I believe that I said Lotus Breeze would win the tournament, right? I don't know, but I believe you. Yeah. Do you remember what your pick was to win the tournament? No idea. If I remember right, it was Demir Inverter from you. So I, I could be like wrong here, but if I remember this correctly, you win and I get second place. So at least we picked the finals. We each picked half of the top eight, you know, two and two, but uh, Corey Burkhardt ended up winning the entire event. Congratulations, Corey with Demir and not um, have
1: happened to a better person.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, huge fan of his, by the way, just like.
1: Yeah. Literally everyone is. And yeah. for
0: good reason. Yeah.
1: He's no the one's, nicest guy alive.
0: Yeah. No one's uh, ever had a bad interaction with him. Like everyone is better off for having talked to him or met him in their life. Like just unbelievable human being, super excited for, for him and super happy. And, One of the only new things we really saw this weekend from this deck, and almost any deck that could cast it, was we saw Witch's Vengeance kind of making an impact. Don't talk to me about this card, Tannen. Did it just beat you up? It got cast against me like
1: four or five times on day two of the open. Yeah, I saw it on camera. Zero times on day one. Yeah. I won the first and last rounds of day two and lost the three in the middle, and I played five total cyber games. I think it was cast in four of them. it's disgusting. And my opponents, none of them had more than one. Mm -hmm. It was literally just a one-of in everyone's sideboard. They just had it every game. Granted, the games did go long, you know. Uh, But it was, I don't think I could beat it a single time.
0: Yeah. Uh, Also, this was one of the pack rat versions, you know, with uh, three pack rat in sideboard. that got kind of popular. Pete Ingram did this, you know, the week before or a couple weeks ago. We've
1: seen a lot of these different threats. There's still one Jace in Corey's sideboard. We see pack rats. We saw Thief of Sanity last week. I think Packrat is kind of the consensus best one here. Uh, just takes over the game so easily against a bunch of spot removal, which both decks have. Um, and it is nice, like, you know, you, you, this is not a matchup, it's for the mirror, but in the mirror, like, you're not jamming Packrat on turn two unless you, like, have thoughts, use them, and you know that absolutely know the coast is clear. Uh, you're generally just trying to interact with them a bit, interact with them a bit, and then play it on turn five. Uh, so you have three mana up can immediately make another token. So they need to have two removal spells immediately or the pack wrap train is going to keep rolling.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I'm also a big fan of it anytime. um, So we talk about this a lot, that this deck plays like the combo or control role either time. And anytime this deck wants to take the control role in a matchup, I like this card a lot because it's, like you said, it's a cheap threat that it can get into play on turn two or like turn five and you could fit it in with some other stuff. Like on turn three, you can play it and hold up Mystical Dispute in certain matchups where... You get to pass a lot, right? You know, with your counter spells and your removal in your hand. And if your opponent doesn't do anything, you get to make a pack rat. And then you get to just make another pack rat if they don't do anything. So it makes them play into your cards more, which I like a lot out of this deck whenever you're switching gears. Yeah. You know what I just noticed about both inverter lists from the top eight? What is that, Ross? No, of, neither
1: of them has Temple of Deceit.
0: None of them have the blue-black temple?
1: Yeah. Zero temples in both lists. When, I, when this deck was just starting... You saw them play a lot of the ETB tap lands, the Fetid pools, mm-hmm. the temple of deceits, and uh, you know mm-hmm. that led to them stumbling a lot. And I was running them over playing Monored, red, and yeah, I think they just got they, they've yeah they've
0: they've cleaned up. that up. Yeah, because look, I'll say this: like that card's powerful when it does its thing on like turn one or two, whenever you can fit it in, you know, and you're like, hey, Thoughtseize, you had nothing else to play, plays tap land, play, scry, it's a powerful effect. Choked estuary is an embarrassing magic card, but apparently you just have to play it in this deck. Just because you need a certain number of dual lands that can come into play untapped.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's only a two of you've got and a bunch of things you can reveal to it. What looks like 13 ish in these lists. I've never get, seen it
0: come into play untapped, Ross. Never.
1: Well, you should have watched Versus Live today because I had two of them enter untapped.
0: I have a job. No, I'm joking. I didn't get to see you today. <laughs> I am an important human being with demands on my time. That's debatable, but. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, I mean like we kind of expected this. Uh only 2 Demir Inverters and 2 Lotus breaches to make the top 8. I think it's about right. It feels about right. I expected, you know, it to be half of the top 8, maybe maybe 5 of the 8, but there was a good little dis- disparity in decks in this top 8. Um we had Sultai Delirium, uh deck make top 8. Uh nothing really crazy going in it. You see some cool one-offs like there's a Brain Maggot that's not something that's like always been played. It's been talked about a little bit. Uh, some cool stuff like that. A lot of Unmoored Egos in the sideboard.
1: This is very close to the winning list from Brussels last week. Some Unmoored Egos on the board to combat the Breach deck. And uh, I think this deck is a little underrated right now. I think it's better against Delirium and um Breach than it looks on paper. And it it absolutely crushes the Aggressive decks. And people really move to the Aggressive decks to try to combat Breach. They're like, yeah, I'll just like kill them quickly and... Be consistent with my million creature deck, and I've got some disruption and maybe some hate cards out of the sideboard, and we'll pair that with a clock, which is you know, that's what I always point people to to try to beat combo decks. And the aggro decks did not do well this weekend. No, they all had worse win rates in Phoenix than they did across Nagoya and Brussels. Uh, well, like, and when I say all of them, I mean mono red, mono black, and band spirits, which are basically the the three aggro decks.
0: And and yeah, I, I like this deck a lot because this deck, like you talked about, against. Mono Red, Mono Black, you know, you have the Uro plan, right? Sator Wayfinder and Uro, like, and you pair that with, like, some cheap removal, like, Fatal Pushes, and it's going to be very hard for people to beat you unless they have their best draws and you stumble. And then, I know you're on the receiving end of this. This deck does, it feels so good against Bant Spirits, in my opinion. Like, watching the matchups, it did not look like the Banned Spirit deck was well-equipped to handle this. Oh, the numbers actually don't bear that out. Is that true because every time i've watched it it's looked pretty bad but maybe i'm just seeing a lot of bad examples In phoenix Band spirits won you know 59
1: of the matches with the sample size they have that has a pretty wide range i've been pretty good against it from my side to be honest you know they're they're a little bit clunky um and they don't have hands with a lot of the cheap removal they fall behind and you have good counter spells to stop their expensive plays and nebelgast herald is really good at containing uro so if the one aggro deck that actually is reasonable against salted Delirium is Band spirits um now if you do fall behind if you don't like get ahead early because they do have that cheap removal or if they land an uncontested uro yeah like they run away with the game um and but like uh, on the balance uh, I like Bant's spot in that matchup I, I just don't think the Bant spirits the Bant spirit deck is not as good against Breach or Inverter as it should be um it's like you know at best slightly ahead uh, but it's pretty reasonable against Sulti Delirium. It is not that good against the aggressive decks. So, so my issue with Band Spirits is that it just doesn't have a lot of great matchups, right? And I don't like it against a lot of the aggro decks. It's also like, you know, a deck with kind of finicky draws. If you stumble or like, you know, don't curve out, you don't have like any way to increase the consistency of your deck. All of your consistency comes from, uh, you know, the build of it and the and the, the good curve for your... You know, I have eight ones and eight twos and, uh, you know, 12 3s and 4 Collected Company, so you know, let's go. So, something like that. Um, 12, 12 2, sorry. Eight, so it's 8, 12, 12, 4. Like, you have an, an, an amazing curve, but if your draw just doesn't come together, like, you fall behind. So you do have to mulligan pretty aggressively with the Bant Spirits deck, um, but you'd be surprised at how it contends with, with Delirium.
0: So is this one of the reasons why you chose to play it this weekend? We saw somebody make top eight with it. You played it in the open. You know, you and I talked about it. I think it's a good choice going forward. I think Pioneer. it's a fine
1: choice. Um, yeah. I think it's better than Mono Red or Mono Black. Um, I don't think I would play it against, or play it over any of Delirium, Breach, or Inverter, unless you are really uncomfortable with those decks and really comfortable with Spirits. Um, I, so I think it's sort of solidly the fourth best deck in the metagame. Yeah. Um, and for the reasons I mentioned, like, you're you're kind of prone to Flood, right? Like, you, your you're Collected Company and Spectral Sailor are your anti-Flood cards. And it's not that hard for them to kill Sailor if you're Flooding. And, you know, so you're really relying on Company to do a lot of heavy lifting there. And usually it's just not enough. Like, all these decks are really powerful. They kind of trump what Company does. Uh, though it's still a good card in the deck. You should be playing Bant, not Azorius. Um, you you just, you're... You just don't have as much control over, you know, what you're doing in every single game. So you, you hit the other, you have you hit a lot more variants. You know, the lotus Breed, the, the, the common thread in Demir Inverter, Lotus Breach, and Sulti Delirium, and I go in this um, in my article this week on SCG, is uh, they have, all have a ton of card selection. You know, Sultai Delirium, they all have, like, Grizzly Salvages and Sator Wayfinders and Jace Wernth Prodigies and Ops and Dig Through Times and... Uh, what's strategic plannings and all these cards that make sure that they're doing the same thing every single game and what they're assembling is all really powerful you know they're either assembling some infinite combo or a game winning combo or they're getting ulamog or embercle onto the battlefield and that just trumps everything you've been doing
0: yeah absolutely and kind of rounding out the rest of the top eight we saw a blue white control deck and we saw a mono red aggro deck and it's more along the lines of the mono reds that we've been talking about are like the only ones that are really playable right now and it's very aggressive lots of one drops we're actually seeing Zergo bell striker in this deck as a two of just to give you i don't know what is this about 10 one drops to play on turn one. yeah 10 one drops to play on turn one along with you know two of the, a couple of the burn spells just to make sure that you're using all of your mana every turn and try to win these games as quickly as possible because you got to get the game over with like you heard against like breach since you're not interacting
1: yeah, no, uh, the you know, Kini's been on Mono Red for k- quite a bit now. I like the Rabble Masters. That's another card that just gets the game over with, especially in combination with Torbrin. Um, so it, it's very clear that he's made a conscious effort to, low again, lower the curve of his deck, make sure he gets out quickly, um, a- and, you know, can effectively race these combo decks. Um, so, uh, I, you know, there's there still isn't a lot of consensus over what the best Mono Red build is. There's so much uh, diversity there. I think if you find a good one, that could also be a good choice. Maybe that maybe the best mono red build is better than spirits. Uh, I'm not a fan of mono black, but there's a lot of variants. Like, did, did you see the GP winning list from Phoenix?
0: You know, I just pulled it up on my screen because I was going to talk about it. And like, let's shift over because there was a there was a Grand Prix that also went on this weekend at this event. And in the top eight, uh, we're going to get to this. I, I'm not burying the lead here, but there was one, two, three, four, five copies of Demir Inverter, two copies of Banned Spirits, but. None of these decks won the tournament, Ross. Uh, mono red won the tournament, and it has a word added to it. Did you see that? There's a little extra word in there. They if you the like spaghetti, Eldrazi. yeah, it's Eldrazi. It's mono red Eldrazi. So I you're looking don't at it the... like spaghetti. Can we go on an aside? Go It's ahead. like the worst pasta. Like, spaghetti. There's a,
1: there's a million different kinds of pasta. It's it's, it's god awful. It's like almost inedible. It's the worst one. Yep. Now, I don't necessarily hate every single like long stranded pasta. I think bucatini is good. Yeah, Had it's a fine. little
0: bit more chew to it. Uh, angel hair sucks. Angel hair is terrible. It, it, yeah. it suffers from the same thing as spaghetti. So spaghetti, but the worst part worse. about spaghetti... It's like more extreme spaghetti. The worst part about spaghetti is it's the highest variance pasta too. Like, it's it's the most likely to be under or overcooked. But I don't know why. It just is. Also, it doesn't hold the sauce as well as the other pastas because it's just like this long string. You know, it doesn't have any kind of like uh, shape to Level it. in R- it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then you just take it and you make a smaller, thinner version of it it's Angel Hair Pasta. I hate the name of it. I hate... I, hate, I usually hate Angel Hair Pasta dishes because they involve a lot of lemon and I don't like lemon oh, very I much.
1: Like lemon, but... Angel I don't like plate.
0: it in my water. I don't like tea. <laughs> I don't like lemon in my food. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not good. And so, God, I'm getting like actually. Like, Ross can see me right now. I'm getting like yeah, heated he really about this. Really animated. His hands are moving. <laughs> I'm getting very animated about this. I do not like angel hair pasta <laughs> or, or spaghetti. Yeah, angel hair and spaghetti, they just suck. Okay, so like I'm I'm kind of basic, I guess. Like I, you know, there's a lot of pasta and pasta dishes that I like. But I got to say, man, you know, I'm a panay guy. I'm a bow tie guy. Like, I like those kinds of pastas. You mean farfalle? Okay. Dude, come on. <laughs> come on. I'm from Louisiana. Come on.
1: <laughs> I'm a fan of some nice campanel. See, I, I can't
0: even spell that. Some cavatappi? Definitely That's can't pasta. spell that one. I like rotini. Could probably spell that one. I, I might be like, I'm not going to try. Don't, don't ask. But, but, like, most most shaped pastas arecchietti is good. Never even heard of it. Cochile? That was yeah, good. Never heard of it.
1: <laughs> but they're all good. I I've don't know why. Like, and spaghetti's also just like the hardest to eat. You got to like put your fork you need, in and twist it around the freaking You need fork. a spoon. You need a fork oh, yeah, and a spoon. I obviously use the spoon, but like, yeah. like no other
0: pasta demands that you need a fucking spoon to eat it with. Yeah. No other pasta needs a second utensil. <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: so i will say you this doing?
0: you know what the one thing about spaghetti is out of all the pastas it's probably the easiest to eat with your hands like if you didn't have utensils you could just get two big handfuls of spaghetti and just eat it like a burger like just bring it to your face while the other stuff is like fall through your fingers and stuff yeah so, I guess. hey there you go i, I think you easier think easier about that Ross?
1: i think it's easier to make by hand as well yeah well
0: don't they just don't they have machines now that just like mass produce it as well sure but like initially pasta was clearly made by yeah, hand. Of course. Yeah. And so, like, and
1: like, we've carried traditions of what pasta. Are you telling me right that now? you know,
0: way back in the day in Italy, they didn't have pasta making machines before they had like electricity? Come on, they didn't even have pasta in Italy. That came over from China. I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a, Ross. Come on now. Just, just stick with it, man. You always come on. I want to be technically precise. Yeah, factually correct. As <laughs> like much as possible.
1: Yeah. You know, with, that's what our audience deserves, Tannen. I really that want... is your real name. It, it is in fact my real name, but I, I. have <laughs> never seen a birth certificate. You've seen my driver's license. Oh, could be fake. I'm not. I'm not a bouncer at a at a bar. I don't know how to
0: tell a fake ID. I don't have one of those little blue lights they shine on them. Yeah, 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 whatever. I actually really want pasta now. God damn it. Yeah, I could go for some pasta. Dude, I was like gonna make this dish tonight too, and I might change my mind. Like, I'm gonna make this dish tonight where um, you're gonna like this as a vegetarian dish. We're making uh black bean quesadillas.
1: Okay, I'm in. Where
0: all right, so like. You start with, uh, you just take like red and green bell pepper and you like cut it however you want. I'm probably not going to dice. It. I'm going to do like the long cut, uh, cook them up pretty well, like almost to the point of blistering, like get the nice little sear marks on it. Then take some like onion, uh, like probably red onion and garlic and start that as the base. And then you put the, the, the black beans in and instead of just folding to cook it, you, you kind of mash it. So you it makes like a paste
1: Yeah. almost. You release some of the...
0: Yeah. right and so it makes a paste and then towards the end of it you put a little more of the black beans in there so there's some whole ones and that's like the filling for your quesadilla and then you just like make a quesadilla you can like add cheese so i'm going to put like a little bit of like cilantro or something in there you know some kind of fresh herb yeah maybe some pico de gallo or something like that yeah you know what i, I gotta go to the grocery before i make this because i forgot to get uh lime because i'm gonna put lime in it while i'm making it too and so you like me. lemon, or lime, but not lemon? Yes, because one of them is good, and one of them is not.
1: They're both delicious. They just have, you know, they have, They both have their place.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, one goes in the trash, which lemon goes, <laughs> and the other one goes I in knew, my whiskey. I knew, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and one of them goes in my whiskey, which is lemon. I mean, sorry, lime. God, <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> God, I hate you. Anyway. Back to this awesome deck. You know, we buried the lead so hard, and I'm sure there's so many oh, people yeah, home that we we're lo- talking
1: about. Ben White's deck.
0: Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Um,
1: okay. So, he did so much stuff.
0: Like, okay. Uh, let me like, kind of read off the deck, and then you can kind of spew about it. So, we have a ton of the one drops. You have the Monastery Swift Spears and Soulscar Scar Mages, like you're usually going. You have even have a Zergo Bell Striker. There's three Kari four Bone Crusher Giants. You know, the stuff that you normally see. Uh, there's four Torbrands. And then here's where it gets weird. There's four Rampaging Ferocidon, something we haven't seen in quite a while, or seen much of. And then there's three Eldrazi Obligator. What? And then you're looking at some burn spells, four Lightning Strike, two Wild Slash. And this is a meme, by the way. This is an actual meme. If you follow him on Twitter or you read anything else on Twitter, there's a Satyr's Cunning in this deck. That's from the new set. It's one red mana for sorcery that says, create a 1-1 one, one red satyr se- token with this creature can't block, escape, two and a red, exile two other cards from your graveyard. Yet, yeah, it's a, a repeatable thing that triggers prowls. It's kind of like, quote-unquote, card advantage late in the game, lets you get some threats. But apparently, he did poorly in the PT, was hanging out in the hotel room afterwards, and they had just had a stack of uh, like their draft decks, You know the, the chafe from the draft decks. And I'm, I'm going to misquote him here. And he's like, I'm going to put this shit in my Grand Prix deck and win the damn thing. And, like, just had the whole stack of cards. And they, like, found a or something, and they're like, screw it. We're going to put it in the red deck. So maybe he just, like, never drew it or only drew it. it was good. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he accidentally broke it. Yeah. I mean, it's not unheard of. Um, Kellen Pastor did well over, you know, a couple of weeks. I, I'm convinced this guy could win with a ham sandwich. Uh Hands up if you understood that reference and you know magic from 15 years ago or whatever. Yeah, but or um, yeah, but he had that in a couple decks. And I mean, the, the card is interesting. So what do you think of this deck? So I think
1: everybody's going to be focusing on all the Eldrazi stuff. And what slips past you is Rampaging Ferasidon. Because that card actually stops Uro from at least being like completely unbeatable. Now, I mean, it's still a 6-6 six, six that draws cards every turn. You know, that, that's a problem. But it's not unbeatable the way it was before. Still just a good card in the deck, especially good with Torbrin, right? So now other creatures lightning bolt them. um, And so the, that's smart. Now, Obligator is just genius. Because, you know, I played Red last week in wherever we were, Richmond. And I realized that look, everybody was playing all these six sixes. Back then, there was a little bit more Niv-Mizzet, but then there was Inverter, Uro, all this stuff. I was like, i got to attack through giant creatures so there's no way I can hope to kill. And so I thought of Karizev's Expertise and Goblin Heelcutter. Cutter. ended up sideboarding Heelcutter, which was good for me on the weekend. Uh, and it, th- this card basically does that, but likely ends the game. If you steal an Inverter or an Uro with it, right, like you're attacking for so much damage, the game just has to be over.
0: It's definitely big brain. I'm pretty happy for myself I have some set aside that I pulled out when I saw that this format was playable because there was a there was a modern deck that did pretty well for a little while where they were playing green rail Jirasi and this card was in that and I remember seeing games where it took Primeval Titan and just killed people and I'm like we're starting to see a format where that kind of thing is getting shaping up in Pioneer and then just the normal play of it just three mana three one haste like that we said this is a format where you have to get these
1: combo decks dead. Yeah. You know, and the, the Delirium deck, you got to get a debt. So this pretty, you know, powerful haste creature uh, and pretty big haste creature is really nice. So I love that. Thought Not Seer is four of in the sideboard to have some really good disruption against these combo decks. That card is also unbelievably fucked up in the red mirrors. Like red decks just can't be Thought Not Seer ever. Um, so it helps you, you know, against a huge swath of the metagame. And then it clearly came gunning for Breach with four Damping Spheres. So uh, I think a well metagamed deck. And like I said, like when you play these red decks, they're pretty underpowered. They have to be well metagamed. And that's what it looks like Bendit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Minus
1: the Sager's Cunning.
0: Yeah, minus the Sager's <laughs> You just had to get that in there, didn't you? I spent
1: way too long trying to figure out how that card was good before I was told that it was a meme.
0: I mean, maybe it is actually good and they had some reasoning behind it. But I've I've heard it's like actually just a meme. Yeah. Um, the
1: one thing about Ben's list that worries me is the spell count is quite low. I've liked Rimnock Rock Knight quite a bit, just yeah. to, to you know get yourself some more spells with the prowess creatures. His count's pretty low. Um, I think Karizev is kind of important, surviving Cry the Carnarium, which is popular right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, also quite good with Torben. Um but I'm I'm worried about not enabling those uh those prowess creatures well enough. But outside of that, I like this list quite a bit.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm a big, big fan of it. Um, you know that I've been trying to find a deck to play Thought Not Seer in this format quite a bit because I think that card is very underplayed in this format. And th- this deck looks great. Uh, I'm a huge fan of it. Um, you're looking at the land count because like, that's probably what people are saying. How's he casting you know, Thought Not Seer or whatever? Well, you're looking at four Ram and Epirons, obviously, but you get to play four Vault, which help cast that. And there's just four Battlefield Forge here that, yep, yeah, just just a, just a pain land. No white cards, No no way to use it. You've got to get some
1: colorless lands in your deck. It's yep. the best way to do it. So you just have eight pain lands in your red deck. It's fine.
0: Yeah. And I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if you could get away with like a desert in this deck, you know, the the colorless one that deals one of them. But I think it's just too much to ask. You know, oh, you, yeah, you you don't have time to be doing that. You stuff have Torburn in your deck too. It's like triple red. Like if you ever couldn't cast your card because of that, you'd just be so mad. You drew Mutavolt in that and you're like, well, shit, you know, kind of thing. But uh, speaking of decks that were well metagamed, did you see the, the Pioneer PTQ winning list? It, it's it's a blast from the past. It's like the, uh, the green-black uh, aggro deck, if you remember, that were just, you know, the eight elves and all the five power uh, creatures. I'm trying to make this go really slow because I'm trying to do six things at once and send this to Ross at the same time because I meant to send this to him earlier, and I did not. Uh, here we go. I am texting it now, but, I mean, you're looking at, you know, a deck with all the green-black dual lands, you know, eight elves, and then let's start talking about the hits at three mana, because that's what's important, right? You'll get four Lovestruck Beast, two Ronas, f- four Rotting Regisaur, and four Steel Leaf Champion. And then behind that, you're looking at uh, Scrapheep's Scrounger, Siroc uh, the Huntcaller, some Scavenging Oozes, because that card's really, really good in this format right now. Uh, you're looking at Yoro, another three drop, some Heart of Curans three Great Hinge main.
1: This is just Golgari Stompy.
0: Yeah it's just, yeah, it's just the Golgari Stompy list, but... Uh, the people were talking about it and he ran through a, like a gauntlet in the top eight and late in this PT, we ran through a bunch of big name players like beat Donigan and a couple other PT champs. I can't remember because people kept texting about it. They're like, oh, the green black deck. I lost to that too. Cause apparently it's, it's well situated for this weekend. And the fact that, you know, just five power creatures on turn two, most of the decks just don't interact with that. Well, like they don't have a thing to kill it. They don't have a way to get through and it's just very, very powerful. And then you look at the sideboard. And you've got a bunch of Fatal Pushes, Assassin's Trophies, Thought Seizes, you know, um, <clears throat> Ley Lines. There's even Carl Harpooner in here. You know, come on, Spirits, let's, let's see what you got. That card is a beating against that deck. And just some stuff like that. So this deck actually seems interesting to me. I, I don't know what it's going to do against this red deck that we were just talking about, but. Oh, I actually struggled with the red deck. Playing against Golgari Stompy when I tested
1: it a week and a half ago, you just can't kill Rotting or ever, and it just
0: yeah that that that's a problem. I'm saying with Eldrazi Obligator, and then there's a bunch of like Mizzium Mortars and stuff in the sideboard, and Chandra's and stuff that might be okay, but I you know maybe it doesn't work out that way. He's got some good tools, yeah, um, he's got some good tools, but th- this deck did
1: really badly across the first set of Players Tours.
0: Nagoya and Brussels. People actually played this in those. I didn't know this yeah. was a deck that got played. Did you? If you look at the
1: way bottom of Max Dorsions, oh, uh, is that, is that tables, what it was?
0: I, I stopped looking. That's what <laughs> <yeah>. happened. <laughs> it
1: won like forty one percent of its matches, maybe even less. It Did mm. really badly. Um, and I, like when I kept running into it leading into that week playing red, and I was like, "Are people playing this deck?" Like I hear no one talking about it. I kept running into it in leagues, and I was so confused. And of course, it, it didn't show up at all, but. You know, winning the PTQ here, like, maybe this guy just has better plans. Maybe it's in the sideboard. Um, well, like, you know, the, those those PTQs are hard. They're generally pretty big. They're generally pretty dense with good players. So, um, you know, the, I, I could definitely see a world where part of the reason the decks underperformed uh, in the Pro Tour or the Players Tour was because it was a lot of the weaker players in the field playing it. And then it overperforms when you have, you know... A strong player playing it with good plans, good sideboarding, um, and a solid understanding of the matchups. So, um, you know, that deck is all, it's kind of around. I'm not, I'm very skeptical of it. And I will continue to be skeptical of it until it puts up more consistent results. But that's surprising to me that it won the, uh, won the PTQ.
0: I'm going to say one piece of advice for the deck, and this is from someone who's not played with it, um, especially in game one. Mulligan your opening hands that don't have an elf in it. Like it's so important to turn to your your stuff unless your hand is just utterly absurd. Otherwise, you know the matchup. You have some good cards, etc., etc. There's there's always exceptions to rules, but that definitely seems like the deck where you have to have an elf in your opening hand. All right, Ross, I got to ask you something after we saw uh, a good bit of the results this weekend. This is something we're seeing on Twitter, and a lot of people are talking about this. you know, people are complaining about Twitter, like, are people, you know, calling for bans too early? or people calling for bans too much? And I see people saying that, you know, God, let the format breathe before you immediately call for bans. But it's not necessarily those people's fault. You know, the way this format came to Exception, we had to hold our breath every week, right? You know, we originally had, you know, every Monday, like, they would go to lunch. And sometime between 3 and 6 p.m. their time, we would find out if a car got banned.
1: But they told us that, like, that, that period of time is over.
0: Yeah, but you conditioned people. You know what I mean? Like... It was, a, it was six weeks. Ross, it doesn't... Dude, you think it takes le- more than six weeks to condition Twitter? C- come on. <laughs> come on, Ross. Let's be reasonable here. All right. Is Breach too good? Like, do you, do you think this is a deck that eventually gets something banned? I am saying that I would not be surprised if it proves to
1: be too good, but this is not a question that we have enough data to currently
0: answer definitively. Which they're banning data or restricting it, by the way. I don't know if you saw would happen with channel fireball they're like not going to be able to post a lot of their information oh, going from, like forward. gps and stuff yeah
1: but all like watsi has all that data internally so like they when they're making ban decisions they have all that data and they have data from magic online and arena and that we don't all, yeah yeah that we we don't they have reams of data uh you know so that's a separate issue that's like a you know are we gonna have uh, are we gonna publicize a lot of the data how much are we gonna let the everybody else know so but this this question like it, it's been one week. Like, the, the deck put uh-huh. one person and one top eight across two player stores. Yeah. And it was clearly just not played very much. And then everybody really realized that it was really good. They played it for this one week. Now, we get the, like, tur- you know, Indy's going to be the tournament of people playing a bunch of damping spheres and we see if it's enough. So, it's really that starting with that open that I think we can start building the case for a ban. So, I don't want to hear anything about bans until that happens and we have that data.
0: I 100% agree with you. And... I'm gonna go a step further. I, I think it's it's doesn't deserve to be banned yet. Like you know, we need more information. And if something does happen, we may see Dig Through Time get banned, and it's not just because of this deck. It's because well, it's it slows not at down. All
1: because of this deck. There's, they only play one Dig Through Time cannon.
0: Yeah, but I'm saying it's 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 part of this deck. the The combo decks having that is kind of absurd because like that card existing is a little, in I guess insulting almost in ways. But like Demir Inverter has it as well, which it's still putting up silly numbers in results? No, Jameer Adverter's numbers are not that silly. Well, okay. It wins like 53% of
1: his matches. On, yeah, I understand that, but it's I meant like... It's one you, of the most played decks, so good, like good players top eight with it.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying if you only look at the results, like like where they are in like top eights, like the number of it, it's it's leading to non-diversity, is what I'm saying. Like too many people are playing the deck. I would like to see its win percentages outside of mirrors. You know, do we have that that information?
1: Like 53% in Phoenix, something like that.
0: Okay, well I'm just saying like I mean, like, I understand those numbers. I'm saying, I, I think that that card can be banned if we're going to do something in the future. You know, it doesn't yeah, necessarily just because... on the watch
1: list. I read an article about this in December. It's definitely on the watch list. But this idea that Inverter is, like, way too good is I just did not, not say borne that, out but... by... Well, I'm not saying you did. But the, this notion, which is being put forward pretty frequently, is just not borne out by any sort of data. So, like, yeah, the Inverter deck is good. It's one of the best decks in the format. But it's... I don't I don't know what it is, but, like... Ever, ever since we had this rash of um, of bans in Standard, because of all the cards that were printed, you know, from uh, starting really with Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn, into Kaladesh, and then up through Oko, and Once Upon a Time, and and that stuff, like, it feels like every single time we have a good deck, like a deck, have a really good tournament, it's like, well, let's ban it, and I... It's weird because I think that stuff ha- used to happen before too. Like I remember people talking about banning Siege Rhino and uh, like Pack Rat or some card from Mono Black, like banned Thoughtseize during Theros era, uh, and like everybody at that point like realized that's completely ridiculous because we lived at a time where there were very few bans in our careers. It was that one era of Clawblade and the one era of Affinity, and even those were separated by six seven years. But now it feels like you know. We're a little bit closer to like, those complaints turning into reality. Um, and now we don't really know how WotC operates internally. They might be laughing at them the same way we laughed at them five years ago. And I hope they are. Because there is there is just nothing at all that indicates to me that a card out of the Demir Inverter deck needs to be banned. And I don't think it's remotely close. I want to... I think... The deck is not too good on a raw power level, but it's also just a fun deck to play with and against. Like, you know, like they win some weird games. Sometimes their size of their graveyard matters. That's new and it's novel. You know, if if that deck becomes something like Splinter Twin was in Modern, where it's just a top deck for two years and never dominant, yeah, maybe the novelty wears off and it's like, okay, we should do something about this. I could see it eventually getting to that level, and I could be, would be amenable to some of those arguments. But at a power level argument for this deck, just because it's top eighting some tournaments, you know, it won one of the three players' tours. Uh, obviously, like Nagoya, it had five in the top eight. That's quite a lot. And it had, I, was it one or two in Brussels? I think it was just one. I think it was yeah, just because Band Spirits was the only one with multiple in top eight in Brussels. So it has eight top eights across the three players' tours. That's quite a lot. Uh, I do think Nagoya is a bit of an outlier. Um, and, you, you know, you have to understand that the uh, Players Tour metagames are always going to be somewhat skewed when you have like some of the best players in the entire world playing in a field where they have a significant skill edge over their opponents. Um, and, the, you know, I believe that opening weekend, Tamir Inverter was significantly piloted by the, you know, a, a an above average player if you took the higher the average echelon, skill, yeah yeah if you took the average skill level of the demure verter players and compared it to you know the average skill level of the other players and it was probably somewhat new to some people who did, didn't really catch on like you know that's why we take multiple weeks to look at these things because we want to look like you know you can look at a deck when it fu- first breaks out and people aren't prepared for it but you got to look at it again after it has the target on its head and i think you know Demir inverter still did reasonably well with a target on its head in phoenix and i think it'll continue to do really uh pretty well because it's a very good deck but that's just what tier that's what a tier one deck is that's the definition of a tier one deck it is not the definition of a deck that needs to have a card band
0: Mm -hmm. and no you know what i agree with you and like maybe i didn't put it as like long-winded or as eloquently as you did i was just saying with all that happening, everybody, you know, yelling and stuff. I don't think those decks should be banned. Like, I don't think you should ban, you know, like Lotus Field. I don't think you should ban Inverter. I'm saying a card that you could possibly see go that might like placate these people is you might see something like Dig Through Time go. If you ban yeah. Dig, the Inverter deck is not playable. Yeah, some people would, you know, say that maybe it still is. You could try out Treasure Crew. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. D- Dig just does so much for that deck. It's- yeah, of course. And, you know, it, I think it's it's good right now for the format to have this. Like, we're still seeing diversity. You know, we're seeing all these decks have to adapt. Uh, it's like you said, you look at the, the winning list here from the Grand Prix. at four Dampening Sphere on the sideboard, and, like, any deck can play that. It's, it's a colorless card that really hurts them. Yeah, they're going to kind of figure out ways to beat this card, but they have to have their answers. You know, it's like when... Okay, I know it's not a good comparison because that deck did get banned, but it's like when you played Hogak. Like whenever I played the deck, I ended up like winning a local tournament with it. You know, game ones are very easy game two. I know they were bringing in four to six or seven hate pieces. And so I was very hard on my opening hands, you know, cause I was like, I probably need to interact with the hate pieces game. So you would have like your stuff that you boarded in and you have the London Mulligan now. So you're like, you're kind of incentivized to Mulligan once or twice just to find, you know, some playback and stuff. Cause like, yeah, you didn't get to see the finals or whatever, but I got to watch the finals. And there were some games that were not games because, you know, there was like a Dampening Sphere or something to play. There was there some card to slow down the Lotus Breach deck and Huey just sat there and didn't really do anything.
1: No, I, I think that is a good point for the Lotus Field deck, though if it ends up being that way where every single deck is playing three or four Dampening Spheres in its sideboard and the sideboard games become all about, you know, playing and protecting a Dampening Sphere in a reasonable time frame, even if that suppresses the Lotus Field deck, that's a problem because that's such a huge bend to the metagame and a huge effect that it has on the metagame that even if it's not dominating every tournament, it really is the story of every tournament because that's the baseline that every deck is starting from. That would be a reasonable argument to get a card banned, and that's why we need to have data for more tournaments, You know, whether it's online PDQs, the Open coming up in Indianapolis, and maybe there's some Pioneer Grand Prix coming up. I don't know what that schedule looks like. There's one at the end of March in Louisville. Uh, so that might be the first one. Maybe there's one before then. Uh, so we have to answer these questions. we got to go through our due diligence and like, you know what? Maybe we end up with a couple months of nonsense like we did during Eldrazi Winter, but I'm more willing to go through that kind of stuff, uh, because I know that that's going to end. And sometimes it it can be fun to like figure out how to, you know, win in this really distorted metagame, right? You know th- that's coming from a, a place of relative privilege, where like I have access to cards, I can switch decks, and, and it doesn't matter. And you know, uh, other people are, are going to be more put out by it. But th- that kind of metagame can get kind of can get interesting. Like there were different Eldrazi decks by the end of Eldrazi Winter, each trying to do their own thing. You know, there was the Azorius Eldrazi deck that I think ended up really being the best. There was a Cruel Eldrazi deck that played Obligator, like you said. Um, there was a big Gruel Eldrazi deck, which is what I played at that Grand Prix in um, in Detroit. Uh, that went all the way up to Worldbreaker because I, I thought, like, yeah, maybe I just need to go big. Um, I ended up playing one of the most ridiculous games of my career in that Grand Prix. Just as an aside, against uh, I was getting beat down by Bogles, which was some like was a deck that was thought to maybe have a good matchup against Eldrazi. Right, especially once the colorless ultrazi decks that play Chalice Main kind of fell by the wayside because they were much worse than the Mirrors. And so Bogles was kind of a a techie deck for that event. I was playing against it midway through day one, and I'm getting destroyed in one of the games, and eventually I draw a Worldbreaker, and I like exile one of their enchantments. I'm like, okay, I've been flooding really badly, so I have a million lands in play. And every turn, my opponent just keeps attacking. And like every turn, I just chump block return my, my World Breaker, recast it, and I just whittle all the enchantments down off this creature and eventually win the game. And obviously, like, you know, my opponent just stopped attacking at some point, uh, but they didn't. And I'm like, that's just a weird game that like you wouldn't think would happen. My opponent didn't really adjust to it. Um, so for long-time players like me who are just playing all the time, like a brief window where we play these kind of broken metagames can actually be entertaining. Um, and, and I hope other people will appreciate the novelty of it as well. And, and if we get to that point with breach, like yeah, let's ban something. Let's ban Lotus Field. Why does Land have Hexproof anyway? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, and like Underworld Breach, who the fuck designed that card? I just come on
0: now. I know we're not we don't cover that too much, but you should you should see what's going on in Legacy with that right now. It's not it's not oh, yeah. it's not pretty. I've,
1: I've heard some I've heard some things. It's not pretty. But I saw uh, that I saw the deck that won the the Vintage Challenge last oh, weekend. Oh, yeah, there's some stupid Got stuff. That tweeted out. It looked really sweet. Yeah. Also, there are so many restricted cards in that format now that, like, that his deck had, or their deck was, like, you know, four four Preordain, you
0: know, three Pyroblast, and it was just, like, all one ofs. Yeah, exactly. But uh, before we move on, so everybody at home, if, if there was any audio thing this weekend, Ross is having to, you know, do the recording from his laptop because something is, is up with his desktop uh, this week. So the reason I'm bringing this up is Ross is not sitting at his desk like he normally is. He's actually like in his armchair. It's a wing chair. A what? It's a wing chair. What is that?
1: It's a style of chair. You know, it has the these things.
0: Oh, okay. So he he he's showing me the sides of the chair. That is, I guess it's a wing chair. Sure, whatever. I I didn't know the difference. Sorry for in, in, insulting wing chairs everywhere by calling it an armchair. I, I like wing chairs. Yeah, but the thing I wanted to bring up is, I think we might have to start having you have the show from here more often because you are way more like fiery and uppity on this show, the normal. And I kind of like it.
1: <laughs> well, the, the ban talk really gets me because like, yeah, they answer an objectively bad thing. They are a last resort option. Like, and so, and they should be treated that way. You know, everybody hates when cards get banned. Uh, you know, the, even the people that, except for like, you know, people that really hate the card, they'll, they'll be happy about it. But in general, the idea of a ban is like unnecessarily disruptive it essentially is admitting to a mistake being made. It hurts the game. Yeah, it hurts It hurts con- consumer confidence in the cards. It hurts, you know, people being able to attend events, either, both leading up to a ban where they don't want to play the, a metagame unless they're playing the, the great deck, but they don't want to buy into the great deck when they know it's going to be, you know, not playable the next week. So, and then afterwards they have to try to recover. So like there's all these issues with them and we all acknowledge them. And yet it seems like every fucking time a deck has a good tournament, oh man, does this card need to get banned? And like, I mean, I've seen with Pioneer people try to argue Thoughtseize being banned. I've seen them try to argue Teferi Time Raveler. I get Teferi Time Raveler is an annoying card. You know, I wish they hadn't printed it either. But like, why in the world are you going to fucking ban it? There's plenty of cards I think are annoying. You know, I hate playing against, I hate playing with and against Thoughtseize. Every time I play against Thoughtseize and they draw a really good card off the top of their deck, I am so mad.
0: You know know that's like my thing, right? Like every single time I play that, I play with perfect information and just lose to the three cards I haven't seen. And I'm just so tilted by it. But before before we move on, one more thing. I I wanted to ask you a question. You have to play a tournament tomorrow. What deck are you playing? I'll give you a couple seconds to think about it because I'm playing this mono red deck that won the Grand Prix because this deck is sweet.
1: I am playing Breach because the deck might be broken. And I'm not going to miss out on playing a broken deck, and even if it's not broken, it's still really good, and I like combo decks. So it's right up my alley in terms of the the strategy behind it. I think I would pick it up and pilot it pretty well, even though it's a seemingly complicated deck. I'm comfortable with the kinds of kind of magic that it plays, Uh, and it's apparently really fun because uh, Corey really won't stop, won't shut up about it every time we sit down for Versus.
0: It has green creatures in it that cost one green. Of course, it's it, and it's a yeah. combo deck. It's like it's a combo deck with mana creatures in it. Like, yeah, that's right up your alley. Yeah, has has everything. What more yeah. could you ask? Uh, a, a higher win rate. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that'd be too good. Actually, <laughs> I, I could hope to be Harlan Fierce so I never lose again. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> if only. But uh, so what I keep trying to say that we're going to move on to. We got a bunch of questions for the mailbag this weekend. And I'm super excited about a few of these. I'm gonna let you go first on the. Uh, do you, or do you want me to go first on this one here? I'll ask the question because you yes. might need to think about it. Because I know a lot of my answers. The first one comes from Friendly Fire Twenty One. What is your favorite card of all time? It does not have to be in Pioneer, and why is it your favorite? Do you need a moment?
1: No, I, I saw this question on the Discord.
0: I've already, I have already prepared an answer. Go for it. My favorite card of all time is Vendillion Click. I was not expecting this, and I would not have gotten this with a hundred guesses. Yeah. Um, okay. Vendilion Click
1: is, uh, it's not an overly powerful card, but it is a very versatile card in what it does. And that versatility is not readily apparent when you first read the card. And it causes a lot of people to play it poorly. So, like, the classic Vendilion Click is to draw step it and try to disrupt their hand. I don't know if you... vanillion Click doesn't see nearly as much play as it used to. Especially now that Brazen Bar was printed. But if you go back and like watch the best players in the world play with vanilla Click, they vary when they cast it a lot more than weaker players. You know, you do do the draw step sometimes. Usually that's actually a sign of weakness. Like you're afraid of what they, they can be doing. Um, so you use the vanillion Click to try to preempt it. But... The end step Vendillion Click, just as a flash threat, and maybe pick a fight on their end step so you can resolve a Planeswalker once you untap, is great. It also, you get to see the coast is clear. Like, sometimes control mirrors, you just go long because neither player wants to blink, assuming that their hand, the other person's hand is good. And both players just kept seven lands because they know they need to make land drops and nobody's going to blink. And so Vendillion Click just let you see, oh, the coast is clear, okay, slam. And then, and then the game ends. Like, sometimes you would... um like, you know, anytime you target yourself, because, you know, you have some dead card in your hand, I love that. So it gets, like, there's a card selection aspect to it. It's just a value creature that you can cast on the end step. Um, I love the combat, the mid-combat ones, where, like, they were trying to get you to tap out to do something in combat because they had good pressure to then resolve something good on their second main phase. And you would combat the Vendillion Click and, like, get your ability to interact, maybe trade with a creature, but still stop them from doing their post-combat play. You know, I loved the you cast a spell in response to Click. Let's see, like, take your counter spell that's going to defend it and then counter your spell and use Vendilion Click in a counter war. There were just so many little uh, uses for it. It was a Swiss army knife. And, you know, if you played with it long enough, you got to see all the cases where you got to use all the different tools that it had. uh, All within, like, this just aggressive blue creature package that I like to play. So usually... You know, oftentimes it went in control decks, and sometimes I played them. Like, I played it in Blue Moon. I played it in Splinter Twin back in the day. You know, I like playing control decks when they're mostly flash-based, and I just get to play Drago, and Vindillion Click is good in those. But it was also just, like, good out of mid-range decks against combo. You know, some, you know, a tempo decks would play it. I love those. So uh, I just like cards where, like, it's a card that you're, it's powerful enough that you're never embarrassed to put it in your deck, and a weaker player will still get some good use out of it. But it takes a really, really strong player to maximize its potential.
0: I was a big fan of the Click and response to activations of Aether Vial or Stoneforge Mystic. Those are some of oh, my yeah. personal favorites. I'm yeah, getting, everybody like, had to learn. Yeah. Getting, you never had it happen to you. Like, if it happened to you once, you never let it happen to you again. <laughs> like, it was like one of those things you were like, oh, I learned my lesson. I'll just, I'll main phase my, Stonefor- my Stoneforge Mystic, you know, in this matchup yeah. kind of thing. Because they were around kind of at the same time.
1: Yeah, um, that's, a, that's just another use of it. There's a million of them. Yeah. We could do an entire show about
0: it. Yeah, so I also have a pretty long answer, even though my actual answer to the question is very simple and very short. Do you have a guess of what my favorite card of all time is? Um, I'm going to go with and Probe. No, it's probably not even in the top 10. So my favorite card of all time, I just I, I have to give it to Delver of Secrets because... Um, okay. I knew it was
1: going to be a card in Grixis Delver.
0: Yeah, so it's probably the card that brings me the most joy in which I've played it. Um, I know that this is probably not believable to some people, but I actually consider myself a bad constructed player. Like I do not consider myself a good constructed player. I, I, at one point in time, considered myself good at limited. And I think I'm an okay constructed player. I do think that I was good with that deck. Like I understood all of my matchups. You know what I mean? Like I was super, uh, ready, super focused with the deck. I felt like, you know, I was super confident as well. And that, that, that goes a long way. Like when you're confident with a deck, you play really well with it. You know what i mean like you're not you're not second guessing yourself you know what's going on so i love that deck a lot plus i owe that card a lot of money you know the phrase i always say i owe this card a lot of money because you know it's, it's it's done so much for me in my career the surprise answer that i would give to this i have a lot of like 1a 1b the surprise answer that i would give to this is thought scour is one of my favorite cards of all time if you've looked at some of my top eight legacy list i have definitely <laughs> top 8 legacy events with four thought scour in my deck because i'm a madman um, has got to cast those Gurmag it's got a castles, Gurmags, but I'm telling you I'm convinced that deck was good I don't care what anybody said and they all made fun of it that deck was good for that for that for those events those two events I mean I made back to back top 8s with that deck that deck was good um like, cl- sort
1: of no arguments here I love me a good thought scour Gurmag Angler combo deck
0: I mean I loved Azorius charming my opponent's creatures and thought scouring them like it, that's another card like Vendillion Click where like you saw the good players really use that like the whole buffalo like you like you know like you like to say yeah,
1: the serum visions top top okay thoughts guy were you, thoughts got you. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah back before the London Mulligan there was a there was an event I was playing I'm trying to remember who it was against and we, had, we were playing a Delver Mirror and it was going into game three and I was on the play and uh, they were like Mulligan to six looked at the top card of their library and they were like snap keep it you know they're like keep and they, they put it on top and I looked at my teammate I think it was Brennan and I'm like I'm gonna do this and I just point at it and he just goes what and I just go like fetch Put a volcanic to play thought, Scour target you. Turn one, and a Delver Mirror, and it was just a land. And they played a land on their turn, did something that just wastelanded them immediately. You know, like turn two, and the game just ended. It just like it didn't is have another way. Over. Yeah, so it was it was pretty sweet. Uh, there's a lot of honorable mentions. Uh, Snapcaster Mage is one of my favorite cards of all time. Another card that brings me a lot of joy. And then here comes the list that's going to surprise people. Uh, Death Cloud is one of my favorite cards of all time. It's a good choice. Yeah, Plow Under. Oh, love love me some
1: Plow Under.
0: Yeah. that's high on my list too uh which uh god uh, cruel ultimatum uh, there's there's okay. a there's a there's a theme here I really like like overpriced sorceries that are just super powerful and stuff like that so uh a lot of stuff along those lines and there's just a ton of blue cards and stuff after that but those are but my favorite card of all time is probably just Delver secrets uh huge fan of it so Have you all want right
1: some of my uh my dark horse
0: favorites uh ninja of the deep hours Ooh, good one uh wildfire. Okay. Uh, it's a, um, that's an all-star for me in draft. Uh, I'm sorry, cube. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know. I can't think of much more past that. A lot of the obvious subjects are uh, obvious suspects. Quarian Ranger, Wyward Symbiote.
0: Also... Any deck that lets me play my beta basics so those those are also just my favorite <laughs> cards. Um yeah. yeah, so uh second question, this is from Isaac, Spirit Enthusiast. This is this is really on theme, by the way. I love reading his name. And then do you think that Droxel Captain will ever be reprinted or is hexproof too good? Please note that if you say no, I will cry. Isaac, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to cry a little bit. No, they're not gonna reprint this card. Uh, I think they're gonna shy away from printing hexproof too much, like as an actual ability on creatures, like they'll do stuff that gives hexproof or whatever, but I could possibly see this card possibly see this card if they ever do like pioneer masters. You know, like a set where they're like supplementing Pioneer. But I I don't know do you need to give Spirits this in Pioneer? Like it doesn't seem like the deck needs it. You know what I mean? It
1: certainly doesn't need it and it's an upgrade from Empyrean Eagle. Are you checking to see if it's legal? I'm checking to see what its price is.
0: Oh, Dark that- Captain? I think they're just a couple bucks. They they got up to like four or five a piece when um Banned Spirits was good modern like it was getting played a lot because you just couldn't find copies of them because it's from what Dark Ascension
1: yeah it's from Dark Ascension um oh yeah they're only they're on SEG for a dollar okay I thought they'd be a little bit more than that usually tribal cards like this just end up being a little bit more I thought I thought I'd see them for like three or four um so I'm I'm gonna disagree with you here I think not only is this card perfectly reasonable to reprint um as, like, a card that people will want and might just, like, go up in price over time because it's not hasn't been printed in a while. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets reprinted the next time we visit the Innistrad plane. And we're probably going back to Innistrad soon, right? Like, have they even announced the fall set for this year? Like, in, going back to Innistrad around Halloween would make sense. Um, like, we might be going back there pretty soon. So I, I would... I actually kind of expect this card... To uh, to be reprinted at some point, um, you know, will that make Bant Spirits too good in Pioneer? I doubt it. You know, it'll make it better. Um, you know, like obviously, like getting to collect a company into Double Dragon Captain is pretty messed up, but we're not going to have Phantasmal Image, and that's right. a card that's not going to get reprinted. Jesus Christ! Um, so you know, it's not going to be as hard to pull off. It's still a three mana two two. You know, in a format where Wild Slash is among the most played removal spells. So th- there's even some downside to it compared to Empyrean Eagle. So I'm I'm of the ilk that this is not, you know, I don't think it's anywhere close to, like, unreasonable. And people like it, and it's good tribal stuff. So I-, I bet we'll see it reprinted again.
0: Cool, cool. All right, next one is from Yeoman5. What is your most competitive non-magic endeavor?
1: Um, is it trivia? Been, I have been trying to think about this one. Is it trivia? Yeah, that that's where I ultimately landed. Like I'm, I, uh, I've sort of toned it down like, you know, actively tried to tone down my competitiveness in like my adult life uh, because I was much too competitive as a teenager about basically everything. Um, and I realized it was unhealthy, but I do, uh, so I'm part of an online trivia league called Learned League. I wouldn't be surprised if some of our listeners are part of it as well. Um, and like, we don't play for any sort of money. Everything's done on the honor system. I'm like not that good, so like I never, you know, some people who do really, really well end up playing for money at the end of things.
0: Yeah, you're not. You're some, no Matthias Hunt.
1: Like, I'm so. Oh, I'm not even more close to Matthias at trivia, and like, and Matthias isn't even like near the top. Well, he's he's like, he's closer. He's pretty close to the top of the league, but he's not at the top. Yeah, you know, he's still not at the level where he's playing for, for money eventually. Um, so it's something I do for fun because I it's it's actually hard for me to watch Jeopardy because I don't have a TV uh, and I don't want to get a TV just to watch Jeopardy uh, so this so this is sort of how I get my trivia outlet now um, and so that that's you know that's that's probably it you know playing tennis with Corey when the weather uh, gets uh okay yeah. um yeah it gets better so uh, just uh, like I, I try to tone that down. Because I just have to be competitive, so often I like to get out of
0: that headspace. Yeah, I wish I could do that more too. Like when I was thinking the answer to this question, uh, you, you've heard me talk about this. It's like every hobby that I've had, like especially gaming wise, I've tried. To, I've like turned it into a profession. You know what I mean? Like you know, I like I played Hearthstone, I played poker, you know, I played video games, you know, like and stuff like that. And I did professional competitiveness in like every one of them. You know and. I was like, man, what's the last time I did a hobby that I just did for fun? And I was like, you know, thinking about sports. And like, I played a bunch of sports for fun where I wasn't super competitive. But then like, I played golf, you know, like where I have like a state championship ring and stuff like that, which I'm horrible now. I went and played over the weekend with my buddy because it was his birthday. We went and had a round of golf. And boy, did I play bad. <laughs> uh, Over or under 100? I was probably under 100. We kind of stopped keeping score because uh the weather was like kind of bad. So the course was in like bad shape. So like, there's a lot of shots where you know, like mud went flying and your ball was just covered mud all the time. And it was hard to keep, you know I mean? It was hard to, you know, be consistent out there, but I, it's going to take something. Even I've played like twice in the last year. It, it's going to take some work for me to, to not break a hundred, but I think it's possible. I mean, I could definitely shoot like a one oh one. Or something, you know, if I, if I, if I like, played by the letter of the law, you know what I mean? Like, literally took every single shot, like, no mulligans, like, don't pick the ball up, which is, like, pretty ridiculous anyway. If I played, like, PGA rules, then yeah. You know, depending on what tees we're playing from, too. If I had to play from, like, the tips, which is, like, all the way in the back, you know, and you're making the courses really lo- you know, making the course really long. Because I'm not the longest player anymore. But, yeah, you know, I'm telling so. you, you give me the shortest tees, I still might struggle to break 200. Are you dude, you know, I was actually thinking about we might play golf when you're here. That's not happening now. <laughs> we might go do some top golf or something and have some fun with that. But, like, have you done yeah, that? Yeah, that's before? a way that's way better because we can drink while we do this, too. And yeah, that's exactly, be, dude. So, I don't know if people know, I'm sure they heard us mention, but you and uh, Brennan are coming here next month. And Brennan actually messaged me during this talking about it. He's like, hey, I'm so excited for next month. I'm like, dude, I'm so we're gonna have so much fun, we're gonna do so many activities, it's gonna be <laughs> great. So, I'm super excited about that. And the last one is from Isaac Spirit Enthusiast yet again. And uh, Ross, I'm going to see this one to you a little bit more than me, but it's, what food should I start to cook for my vegetarian girlfriend? I'm assuming Isaac is not a vegetarian, but wants to be considerate and, you know, do some st- more stuff like that for her.
1: Okay. Um, I've got two. Go for it. That you should be staples. The first is the chickpea. Oh, my God. Yes, I love it. Very versatile. Mm-hmm. Good source of protein. Put it, it it can be like the, the star of a curry as opposed to putting in chicken or something like that. You can make a nice chickpea curry. You can make your own hummus. It's very, very easy and super delicious. The other thing you can do as a snack is roast them until they're crispy. Oh, this yeah. is something you're starting to see commercially now. Uh, companies are making it. But you can do it yourself in the oven. Uh, and basically, like they're they're so versatile that like, you can toss them in anything. Any sort of spice, any flavoring that you want, it'll generally work. I do a lot of um, either just curry powder and cumin, um, or yes, use a lot have... of cumin, please. Yes, a lot of cumin or um, a lot of uh, chipotle powder. I'll do chipotle spiced chickpeas and roast them until they're crispy and they become sort of like uh, I don't know exactly how to describe them, but obviously, like they dry out and they're kind of crunchy. Uh, they're really, really good snack. Uh, And again, easy to make. You basically just like, you know, if you get a can of chickpeas, you can drain it, take some of the skins off, uh, pat them dry, uh, toss in some olive oil and whatever spices you're using, roast at like, I don't know, like 400 for 30, 40 minutes. um, And you're good. Oftentimes you want to kind of, you want to cool them in the oven still and leave them in at like, turn the oven off. And as the oven's cooling, leave them in to really dry them out and keep them crispy. Because if you take them out too quick, and they cool a little bit and they're not like really done, they'll get a little chewy, uh, which isn't great. Uh, but chickpeas, really versatile thing. Um, and then the other thing is sweet potatoes, also versatile. You can chop them up, put them in, the, in that same curry. Uh, you can like, you know, roast them and stuff them with, with you know, cheeses and vegetables and things. And like, like that can be a meal. You know, sweet potatoes are pretty filling. They're generally pretty big. Um, roasting them whole can be a bit of a pain just like roasting uh or just like ba- like a baked potato it takes a while uh, but it's not super labor intensive and i love i love sweet potatoes a good like sweet potato hash in the morning with some like eggs and uh you know onions and peppers and uh you know good seasoning is a nice way to go for breakfast um super nutrient rich uh they're like a lot of vitamin a and I think a lot of vitamin c and um, uh, some other stuff i'm sure in there i think there are also good sorts of iron so, yeah, chickpeas and sweet potatoes would be my recommendation.
0: So, um, I'm going to go a little more broad on the answer here since you went kind of specific. Also, you know, we we answered a question from Yeoman. Maybe we should get Yeoman involved on in this. He he did post in the Discord as well. <laughs> Does anybody have a recipe to you know cook for his girlfriend for for Valentine's Day? I'm gonna get on that in just a second. Um, Yeoman's of like Hispanic descent as well. And God, I love a lot of the food that he prepares, like queso vendido and stuff like that. Just, oh God, Yeoman, keep up with the photos. You're killing it. I love it. Uh, Isaac, let's talk about this for a minute. So it looks like you're cooking for your vegetarian girlfriend for uh, Valentine's Day. I would try to do something that is. Not too crazy, but not too simple. Like, try to find a good middle ground. I definitely recommend looking online. I will send you some DMs maybe about this and, like, some stuff that my wife and I particularly liked because we do a lot of vegetarian food. Going forward in the future, I think, like, you, like, going gather all of the ingredients and making a meal, make it kind of special. And that's, you know, something, like, you kind of want to do for Valentine's Day. In the future, if y'all are, like, spending a lot of time together... You know, you eat a lot of meals together. I don't know if y'all live together or see each other all the time. I don't know where you are in your relationship. One thing that I can highly recommend is something like Green Chef, or one of the, you know, services where it's kind of like the renting services for Magic Cards. Like you you pay a subscription fee and they send you like a bag of food to your house. It has all the ingredients and everything you need in there, plus like how to make it, right? And so what this does is it's fun, it's easy. Uh, and the fun part, you and your girlfriend can kind of work together to cook it. My wife and I have a blast in the kitchen, like doing it all together. Like, Hey, you do number one, I'll do number two. And then you can do three and four and I'll do five, you know, kind of thing. And you like get to make it together. It's fun. We like to drink while doing it too. You know, have a glass of wine or whatever while we're doing it. It's a lot of fun, but it introduces you to a lot of things that you wouldn't necessarily run into or try out. And a lot of like mixtures of stuff. Like we're also talking about one of the biggest things for vegetarian food is you have to spice it well and you have to do like the right kind of spices and you can you know you can try some stuff out but you can you can have a big miss as well or like something gets you know there's too much or there's too little and that's really important especially like chickpeas and stuff like he was talking about i I love a well-prepared chickpea so definitely recommend all that stuff ross gave you some good advice uh send me a dm i'll 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 send you some more stuff which today is the 11th so we need to probably get on this before it's the the 14th i'll need to help them out by at least the 13th (laughs) so maybe i'll send something to him while i'm in the car we'll figure it out but uh, good question. I like it a lot. And uh, I'm always down to talk about vegetarian food, even though I'm not vegetarian, which we're doing a vegetarian just tonight for dinner. And I'm excited about it. So uh, God, I'm hungry now. <laughs> My wife just messaged me. Hurry up. Foods are, like, you know, we're doing the food or whatever. So I'm excited. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and start wrapping up the show a little bit. Ross, you've mentioned it a lot on the show uh, in the past. Where can people go if they want to watch you on Versus Live or hear some more stuff from you?
1: OK, first things first. My Twitter handle is at Ross Hunneds. That's at R-O-S-S-H-U-N-N-E-D-S. I do try to get back to people as much as I can, so if you have any questions about basically anything, you can hit me up there. Uh, My articles on Star City Games go up Tuesdays at 11 Eastern time. This week's article is live as of our recording, and uh, it is all about just an a broad assessment of where Pioneer stands following this huge two-week feature on the format between the Team Constructed Opens and the Three Players Tour events. Uh, a little bit of where I think it's going to go, uh, move going forward. So if you're feeling a little bit lost because you were one of those Chonky Red or Niv-Mizzet players and your deck kind of fell flat, this is a good article for you to reacquaint yourself with what's going on. Um, and then uh, I do co-host versus live with Corey Baumeister. Uh, Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, we're live on TV slash Star City Games, the same uh, Twitch channel you go to to watch open coverage uh, from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. If you cannot catch us live, the episodes do get archived on the Star City Games YouTube channel. Tuesday shows go up uh, on uh, that coming Friday, Thursday shows go up the following Monday. Certainly, so a couple days behind, but we do have a lot of fun with it live. We take questions from the audience uh, and just have a good time. So we appreciate uh, any and all support that
0: you give us. Yeah, absolutely. If you wanted to hear more from me, my personal Twitter is at the and Grace. A uh, lot of magic content. Uh, baseball season's officially started this week, so. Expect a good bit of that as well. Some some sports stuff you know, in there as well. But go ahead and check it out. If you want to follow the the Twitter of the cast, it's at Cast Pioneer. If you type in Pioneer Cast, you'll also probably find it there. On our Twitter, at the pinned tweet, you will find a link for our Discord, something that we mentioned on the show. Um, you can follow the link there, join into our Discord. We have over 600 people on our Discord right now, tons and tons of channels. The Food Channel, what we mentioned tonight, is very, very popular as well. It's pretty new, but uh, a lot of cool stuff going on there. In our Twitter, I'm sorry, in our Discord, we have a section that is a mailbag submission section that is only for our Patreons. There's also a Patreon section where Ross uh, posts his list every Friday night before the events, along with a sideboard guide. If I'm going to an event, which I might be going to one very soon, um, we're going to be doing the same thing. Post our list with some sideboard guides and stuff in there. Um, So if you want to join that, The Patreon is at patreon.com slash pioneercast. Uh, Right now, we have two levels in there. We have a $2 and a $5 tier. Lots of cool stuff for each one of those. You can kind of read what's going on in between those two. Um, We have tokens coming out. Uh, I actually just got the token, uh, the the picture and everything from Inkland Customs yesterday. Ross and I have sent off the approval. I'm sending her some money right after this, and we're going to have those out to people as soon as possible. We're going to figure out the best distribution method, et cetera, et cetera. Or we might wait until we all run into each other, me and Ross run into each other, and get to sign a bunch of them. And then we need all of your addresses so Tannen can hand deliver every single one. It's gonna be like that uh that what was it, Jay and Tom Bob Strike Back where they find all the people on the internet and go beat up everyone who said something bad about them afterwards? I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna beat you up, I'm gonna hand you a token and give you a hug. I've and, never seen that
1: movie, but that sounds great.
0: And give you a hug. It's like it's pretty funny. They like they show up to their houses and it's like they have this um Do you remember what was like the thing? You remember the old school printers when we were like really young that had the like the serrated stuff on the sides with like the holes? You know what I'm talking about? Like the big sheets. It was mostly used for like business stuff. And it made the weird noises when it would print they had something like that like it was just a big stack of paper and they would like knock on the door and they're like do you post as blah 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 fan to blah 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 blog and did you say that we were quote clown shoes and then they just like beat, beat up the dude or whatever but instead i'll i'll be like did you give bunny the the pioneer cast all right well here here here's a token we got some other stuff coming in the future that we're going to work on as well uh whenever stuff slows down a little bit we, we're, we're both pretty busy right now but we're going to try to do as much as we can but uh, make sure you check that out. We really appreciate everybody that's been helping out. The support has been unbelievable. And the more support we get, the more cool stuff that we get to do and the more things we get to do with that in the future. Uh, shout out to Brent, our wonderful editor and director that does a lot of work behind the scenes and makes sure that um, I sound good and Ross sounds palatable because there's no way to make that man sound good. Let's be real. Uh, please, but he does. Yeah,
1: please. I, I get many comments about the lovely sound of my voice. There
0: are dozens of them, Ross, dozens. <laughs> dozens. In fact, uh, there was a request to uh, have a singing section for you this weekend, but I didn't know how to organically work it into the See? show tonight. I was ready to fire it off. Someone sent me a See? video of you doing, um, what was the song? No from this diggity. Weekend?
1: Huh? That's the one that they tweeted out. Yeah, that's we it. Did, uh, yeah. Because, uh, Becky wanted somebody to join her on stage. and I was like, yeah, I know that song. Um, not a song that is normally in my repertoire, but a song that I know quite well because literally everyone knows that song. You uh, killed it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, I'm, you know, that that's a, a song I hear at karaoke often enough and listen to myself, so I just know all the words anyway. Though the, the whatever karaoke version that was uh, there, it skipped the rap portion. I was ready to do.
0: <laughs> I was ready to do the rap portion. And really kill it, and then and then it just didn't didn't go. Over, which I is pretty would common. love to see you rap. I think that's one thing that, that <laughs> I needed to add to my bucket list that I need to have happen before um b- before we go our separate ways. So I definitely need to...
1: at one of the um at one of the after parties for the invitational. Todd and I did duetted "Old Town Road" like you know six months after that song came out, and
0: uh, it's probably one of the ones I, th- I missed. I think
1: Todd I think Todd did the rap did the rap portion.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised. He's a uh he, y'all are both enthusiasts of karaoke quite a bit. This is definitely the right word. All right. Well, with that, thanks everybody listening this week and we'll see y'all next week.